presents Hogan Johns. Hang on to your hat to fasten your seatbelt because from here on out, this one is liable to be something. With all these draft picks, ideal football makeup on all of them. The grit and the passion and the toughness they play with. And we are excited to land these players. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The FaceTime call came again and then I opened it up and it was Coach Nagy and he was telling me that they are going to use their 43rd pick on me and uh, I was so pumped up. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. For us to take any position, it really has to align for us. You know, sometimes there's players we like at that position and the board just doesn't fall that way for us. We're okay with it because we came away with seven players we're really excited about. Ladies and gentlemen, here they are. Please welcome to the stage, The Adams. Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. The draft is over. The Bears have new players. I believe that was Chris Rock introducing us. Yeah, we're going to new, new levels here, Adam Johns. Well, we're, we're upgrading our, our 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 talent. You know, I don't know how much we paid Chris to do that, but I'm sure it was <laughs> worth it. Definitely not enough. Uh, welcome in. Whew, it feels good to have the draft over. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the hell we're gonna do for the next three months, but hey, it's good. (laughs) Usually, in a couple of days now, we'd be gearing up for a riveting rookie minicamp or kicker derbies at Hallis Hall. But here we are talking over the internet again, my friend. Uh, Yes, we are, and it's uh, it sounds good because of our producer Kent Garrison. He's great, and. Uh, we got lots of things to talk about. Uh, we're also going to bring in the Athletics Utah beat writer to talk about Jalen Johnson, the Bears' second pick in this draft. Fascinating player out of uh, Utah and a really good Utes defense. So we'll we'll have him on here in a few minutes to discuss that. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. You can pretty much scroll through those Twitter feeds, find all of our coverage Throughout the weekend, there was a lot of it. Uh, you can also find it at NBCSportsChicago.com for me and Adam Johns, of course, at The Athletic, where you should be a subscriber. Uh, and if you're not, what's wrong with you? You should be, especially during draft season. Hey, did, did uh, Dane Brugler, does he have his 2021 beast out yet? <laughs> He's got his 21, 2021, that's weird to say, 2021 mock draft out already. Not the beast, though. What a slacker. <laughs> There's already talk about tanking for that kid from Clemson, my friend. Oh, know. yeah. Yes, tank I, for Trevor. Lose for you Lawrence. Think, you think I like Joe Burrow? Wait, wait till my. I could write up my Trevor Lawrence evaluation right now. Get it up, get it up later today for the 2021 Three draft. Three words. He's the best. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah, you had a contraction in there, but I'll give it to you. It was three okay. words. Um, <laughs> where should we start, my friend? I don't know, man. I, I feel like there's... We'll get to Jalen Johnson later, um, but let's start with Cole Komet. I feel yeah. like this this conversation is still kind of lingering. I addressed it in my five thoughts piece the other day. Um you have some really good stuff on him in your 10s Bears things today in NBC Sports Chicago. I, I don't know how you feel, but I'm tired of this nonsense uh, of people thinking that Cole Komet was overdrafted at number 43. Yeah, I, um, I, I, he, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you because in my second mock draft, that's who I had going to the Bears at 43. I thought this was right yeah. where he belonged. You know, I, 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 I had a lot of conversations that went into my uh, 10 Bears things that came out today on NBCSportsChicago.com. So um, th- there's been a lot of um, 
I mean, like any other draft, you you, you kind of recap and reset based on things once they unfold. And the one thing I heard explained to me over the weekend was that, you know, there's not that many like true well-rounded tight ends in the NFL anymore. Like the true why tight end that the Bears drafted here in Cole Komet. And so while Cole certainly, I think, needs to work on his blocking, he admitted that, um, you know, he projects as that type of player. And to me, when there's not a lot of a specific type of player in a draft, that's going to push them up draft boards. It's going to make them a hot commodity. And I think the Bears identified that as something that they really need. And I'm, I guess the biggest reason why I'm surprised people think he was overdrafted is because, again, this was like pounded into my brain over and over again over the weekend, Johns. He was an extremely safe pick, which is something that we talked about last week when Dan Pompey wrote it on The Athletic. I feel like that should be fine for, 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 for Bears fans. I feel like seeing a couple receivers go after him, your, your KJ Hamlers, your, your Denzel Mims, seems to have frustrated some people. There was a couple safeties literally taking the next two picks right after him. I understand that angst. Safety was still a need, but if you look at the Bears draft, and you're right, you used a good word to, to the other day in our podcast, like the process of it. To me, it's clear that they had a few priorities going in, right? Get one of the top-end corners and get the best tight end if they could, right? Like two straight goals for, for players who could contribute almost immediately as soon as they walk in. Like guys who are going to be expected to have week one roles as soon as they walk in the building. They have two of those guys in Jalen Johnson and Cole Komet. Look, I'm not saying Cole Komet's going to transform into... Zach Ertz or George Kittle overnight, but some of the, the characteristics are there. Some of the, the size is there. Some of the speed is there and the strength is there. There's a lot of things to like about this guy. Could he have been there at 50? I don't know. There's no guarantee of that. The Bears got the best tight end in the draft, and that's like by far the best tight end in the draft. If you, if you just look at the disparity in picks when he was selected and, and then when the, the Patriots took their first tight end of the third round, late in the third round, there there's a wide gap there. And it shows you how much better, in my opinion, that Cole Komet is, is how much better he is than the rest of the tight ends in this year's draft class. Jaws, I think you could make the argument that if you were to take all the tight ends available to the Bears this offseason, so everybody in free agency, everybody in free agency, everybody in the draft, everybody potentially available in a trade who we don't necessarily know who those guys would be. I'm sure there's some conversations that happen, but realistically available in a trade. I think Austin Hooper's the number one tight end available, and he's cost a lot of money. The second tight end I would put, in terms of most well-rounded tight end, like the complete package, I think you're going to make an argument that Cole commits that guy. I'm not saying he's the best, I'm saying in terms of well, fully well-rounded tight ends that the Bears could have acquired this offseason. Because Jimmy Graham's not that. You know what I mean? And, and, and so I think my point here is, whether Komet plays like that as a rookie or needs a year or two to develop into that, that Here's, makes him a hot commodity. Yeah. That makes him somebody that you have to spend some draft capital on to get. And we're not even talking about a first-round pick here. We're talking about the number 43 overall pick. Here's the other or other argument I keep hearing, Adam. 
is oh the Bears had ten other ten other guys on their roster. They they had nine other guys nine other guys under contract. Why why do we need a Cole Komet? Well, well that's, like no. you just said, <laughs> and and I'm like this guy is better than them all. Like with all due respect to Dax Raymond, I'm using the with all due respect again. You know, like so just yeah. just beware for the criticism here. So you, you can say whatever you want. Now. <laughs> I, I got a freebie. I got a freebie. Right? I, I could just rip away. But to be fair, how about that one? To be fair. <laughs> yep. Now fair. you can also say whatever you want. Yes, yes. I got a freebie <laughs> coming up here. Sorry, Dax Raymond. You've become expendable. Jesper Horstead, who I think the Bears still like in a capacity, you've become expendable. Ben Broniker, maybe your time is up. You're an undrafted guy, a free agent signing a few years ago. You got a second contract. Maybe your time is up. J.P. Holtz, maybe your best as a fullback. All these guys, look, I get it's become like a, a joke out there. Everybody's making a mockery of it. You got all these guys at tight end. But to me, it's not really that much of an alarming number, to truth be told. You know, usually they got seven tight ends anyway. So what, what's a couple more when that's a problematic position and how important it is? But Cole Komet, in terms of potential, and probably even right now as a player, is better than all of them except for, for, for maybe Jimmy Graham. And maybe Cole Komet's a better blocker already than Jimmy Graham. Yeah, and which was my point about him being, you know, the most well-rounded tight end on the roster. He's probably not as good as Jimmy Graham, you know, in the passing game yet, but um, certainly has a chance to be. So uh, I'm not going to burn through everything in my ten Bears things, but uh, just a teaser. I mean, I I talked to the White Sox scout that that really got to know Cole extremely well when the White Sox were interested in drafting him as a baseball player. So that. You know, there's a lot of things that translate in the scouting reports in terms of him specifically as an athlete and as a person, which, man, Johns, you cannot get a single person to say a bad thing about Cole Komet. I mean, he really seems like, um, you know, I my Kyle Rudolph comp going into the draft had more to do with him as a player. But when you look at Kyle Rudolph, also the person, the captain on that roster, the dependability, um, NFL uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee for the Vikings last year, so he's obviously just a well-rounded player. You know, it makes a ton of sense. And then I didn't even realize this until last night. I'm sure it came up somewhere and I just missed it. But Kyle Rudolph was drafted with the number 43 overall pick in 2011. I believe his tight end coach in Minnesota was Clancy Barone as well, right? There you go. Synergy. Dang. Keep going synergy. back to that Phil Emery word, synergy. To, 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 to build on your point about the intangibles with Cole Clement, and maybe maybe these do get a bit overrated. And I understand people who roll their eyes at intangible talk, right? Because look at Mitch Trubisky. They love his intangibles, but not much on the field. I understand that. But Ryan Pace and with Matt Nagy now, they, they, they have a type. Just look at this draft. Look at the beast put out there by Dane Brugler and look at what these, he's saying about the, the Bears draft picks. All these guys check out characterize. In, in, in many sense, these guys are praised for their character. A couple of them are team captains. Some of them had the assistant captain mark on their, on their jersey. Off the field, great work ethic. You know, like guys that are just, you know, naturally charismatic and, and have the leadership skills that you want. It's clear that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy with them have a type. Cole Komet fixed that. All the way down to Darnell, to Darnell Mooney. I don't know much about the offensive linemen because, let's be honest, their seventh rounders are taking swings on, on talent there in a sense. You know, they're developmental guys. But all the other guys in the fifth round, character. They have it. Do your research. Yeah. Um, you know, by the way, that's not a new thing. 
But it is interesting this year that that it really feels like every single one. You know, I feel like in some other years that they've maybe bent the Bears box a little bit, if that makes sense. Or they've drafted guys that don't fit to completely have the Bears box. Um, You know, sometimes you, you take a chance on a guy later. So I don't know if that that's just the way it worked out this year. So, you know, that's possible or maybe given the circumstances, they were even stricter, you know, when it came to character this year than, than ever before, but that's the way it worked out. And it's certainly, I mean, up and down the board, you, even some of these conversations I had about these, these two seventh round offensive linemen, I mean, just studious players that want to get better. Um, so it's, that obviously was a huge emphasis this year as it has been in past years too. I think it just in a, it changes your evaluations. It, it kind of I, I hate to to make a too much of a big deal out of this, but if you like a guy like with what he does on the field, and you like him even more for how he's off the field, it's easy to see why the Bears moved up in the draft for for two of these guys: your Travis Gibson, the outside linebacker, and Dar- Darnell Mooney, the receiver. It's it makes those decisions so much easier when the, the character flaws, the red flags, all the off-the-field concerns just aren't there for you to consider and go through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's one more thing I want to pull out of here before uh, we welcome in our guest, who's uh, Chris Camrani, the, who uh, covers the Utah Utes for The Athletic. But uh, just from my 10 Bears things, the if we'll, we'll skip past Johnson for a second because we're about to, to uh, talk about him really in depth. But so... Travis Gibson, John Z, this fifth round, uh, the Bears are going to use him as an outside linebacker. Uh, he, here's, here's the comp that I came up with over the weekend, and it's actually pretty remarkable. Um, so Gibson is six foot three, 261, his arm length 33 and 7 ace, drafted in the fifth round, number 155 overall. You know this because you already read it. But if I were to ask you, who's six foot three, two sixty one, arm length thirty three seven and ace, drafted in the fifth round at number one forty six overall, so just nine picks earlier in twenty sixteen, who that player is? It's Matt Judon, the Baltimore Ravens outside linebacker, who after racking up nine and a half sacks last season, earned the franchise tag from the Ravens this off season. So you know. To me, when you look at the body type, this makes a lot of sense for the type of upside you can get out of a fifth rounder. This makes a lot, a lot of sense. Again, this is like the ceiling. This is the comp that you're hoping you're getting with the pick. But boy, that would be great if, if the Bears end up with Matt Judon here in the fifth round. Absolutely. One of the things that I've always admired about the, the Baltimore Ravens draft process well, they, they always seem to play with the draft capital so well. They seem to have mastered the comp pick formula. But they always take swings on pass rushers later in the draft. Like Pernell McPhee is the one example that Bears fans should know well. Like that guy was not a first-round pick. Not mm-hmm. even close to a first-round pick. But they developed him. They saw certain traits that they liked. And he became quite a productive player for the Baltimore Ravens, and he got a big contract from the Bears. Like, this happens all the time. This is how they, they stay ahead of the comp pick formula. They develop these pass rushers, and these pass rushers leave in free agency, and then they get a comp pick. It happens all the time. So in terms of investing on 
the most important positions in football. Like, like we, we could talk about quarterbacks in our next podcast, why the Bears didn't draft one. We, there's plenty of time to talk about that. But pass rusher is right after that. And the Ravens have mastered, or at least they, they have the philosophy, a great philosophy in my opinion, of taking them late, developing them into major contributors, and then benefiting from the comp pick formula. This reminds me of it in so many ways. And your your point here, your number three thing, your number three thing, right? Yep. That, that just solidified it for me. You know, it, it, the measurables are there. The talent is probably there. And I think Brian Pace has a good track record of trading up in the middle rounds as well. And, and by the way, you know, it's not necessarily the pass rushers, but kind of quietly, Pace has been doing the same thing with these guys. Adrian Amos turned into a comp pick. Uh, Jordan Howard, that was a trade, but they got a pick out of it. Uh, Nick Kwiatkowski, fourth round pick, going to result in a comp pick, right? So, uh, and I guess Bilal Nichols could be the next guy up in that conversation uh, as, as he was a fifth rounder. So, who, who could end up getting paid one day? So, this is, uh, it, it's a formula, it's, it's proven. In the NFL, you kind of have to appreciate the teams that do it, and I think that's uh, you know that's kind of what what's happened. What the Bears are trying to do here: smart organizations think this way. All right, we need to get to our guest. He's Chris Kamrani. He covers the Utah Utes for the Athletic, and he covered Jalen Johnson. Knows him pretty well. That's why he's on here with us on the Hogan Johns podcast. What's up, Chris? Hey guys, how's it going? So what did the Bears get here with the number 50 overall pick? Because it certainly seems like, uh, you know them better than we do, but it seems like the Bears believe they got a quick starter at the cornerback position. Yeah, I mean, I I think a lot of people in the Salt Lake area were surprised to see Jalen fall to 50. And uh, looking at the reason why, I just think it's the the history of injuries, three Shoulder injuries and surgeries in four years is a lot for for any young athlete. Um, and the fact that he played through the last year and a half with a torn labrum goes to show that, A, he's a really tough dude, uh, but B, that there's a history there. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why a lot of teams were a little skittish to to take Jalen in the late first round where most uh, you know draft experts had him going. Uh, what the Bears are getting is – Kind of just your patented all-around corner. Uh, he's an aggressive man-press style cover corner who likes to be at the line of scrimmage and, and fight for every yard. Uh, you know his his mo is to win those first five yards and to throw guys off off balance. But he's also that guy that if he needs to, you know, give a guy a little bit of space and, and anticipate what's going on, he's capable of doing that as well. So uh, you know if that shoulder checks out and everything goes according to plan in terms of rehab timeline. I think Jalen should be starting for the Bears come fall. How do you think he played with that shoulder? We talked to Ryan Pace a couple nights ago, and it sounded like he even gave him a positive grade just based off on how he dealt with the injury. Proved to be pretty durable with it. Proved to be pretty tough with it. And, you know, still excelled as one of the best quarterbacks in this year's draft class. So, like, when you look back at how he played the year earlier to, to playing with this injury, how do you think he looked out there? He looked good. There were some times, though, as someone who watched him, you know, every day or, you know, every week, there were some games where you could tell that he wasn't 100 uh, percent, most specifically that last game against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. He was just dealing with, a you know, a few different injuries and he clearly wasn't himself, but that wasn't specific to the shoulder. Um, you know, I think when you talk to 
folks around this Utah program, the, the thing that they will just go back to again and again is here's a guy who managed to get All-American status in 2019 playing on a bum shoulder. And I just don't know how many guys in college football can do that, especially at that position where in today's football, whether it's you know collegiate or pro, it's the most unforgiving position on the field. Um, I, I think one thing Jalen's going to have to do going forward, he's going to have to get a little more aggressive in his you know tackling technique and open space. I think one thing he, he got to rely on a little bit was he was such a good cover corner that he just didn't get that much action in, in 2019. He was the guy that was shadowing the other team's best wide receiver uh, every game. So the other corner got all the action, whereas Jalen was, was you know generally putting a blanket over most guys. So um, that's a long-winded way of saying, I, you know, Jalen looked great for the most part in 2019. But again, you, you can't have a torn labrum for a year and a half and not have it show up every once in a while. Yeah, but I, I agree with uh, with Johns that the fact that he still managed to have 27 straight starts in the middle of all that uh, is pretty impressive and I think helped him at least a little bit, uh, the ability to play through all that. Chris, uh, you know, everyone's been hyping up his character too. This is a kid that managed to graduate in two and a half years. Um always seem to have his eye on finishing school and before leaving early for the draft. And I don't know, he just comes off to me like a goal oriented kid who, uh, you know, school and football were both important to him. Yeah. He's a, he's an interesting guy because I think, especially in our line of work, we, we so often come across these storylines of these, these kids were always destined to, to get to this point and, I think a lot of times the storylines can be a little overwrought, but, but with Jalen, it's like, no, this is literally what he was raised to do. His his dad, Johnny Johnson, was a quarterback at Fresno State. His older brother was a cornerback at UCLA and then at Fresno State. His mom, Carmilla, is a, um, she's a psychologist, and he just comes from a really um, interesting family where they're just – they're, they're fun to talk to. I hope you guys get a chance to catch up with them sometime in the next you know couple of years, maybe in his rookie year, because they're just from day one. They've always just said, like, Jalen's the best athlete in the family, but we're not going to kiss his ass and just pretend that he's like this this godsend. And that's what, you know, pushed Jalen. He was a kid that was when he was like five or six years old, was running stairs with his dad and brother at Bulldog Stadium in Fresno. And um I mean, obviously, he was the best athlete on the field for the most part growing up in Fresno, because anytime you end up being an NFL draft pick, you are. But he is he is definitely just a guy that has always had a plan uh, when he was 16 years old. His, his plan was to graduate um, by 2019 and, and be eligible for the 2020 NFL draft. And like you guys said, to graduate with a business degree in two and a half years, I don't care what you're majoring. And that's pretty impressive because, I mean, he, he just never stopped going to school. Um, and obviously these guys are never not in school because, you know, they have summer school and whatnot. But still, to, to, to be able to get everything done um, the way he kind of mapped it out is impressive nonetheless. When the, the Bears drafted him, you, you had this column that went up uh, immediately on The Athletic. Uh, the, the, the headline is, what Utah DB Jalen Johnson brings to the Chicago Bears. And it's great, and you, and you referenced that trip that you had down to Fresno to meet his family. Uh Something else, like the professional writer in me, the journalist, the sports writer, like something that you wrote about him in this kind of, you know, resonated with me. Like he knew of all this and he was waiting for you. And he seemed, um, he, he joked around about it in a sense, right? Like he knew it was coming, said he didn't yep. want to do it, but he knew he was going to do it. I'm curious, from our perspective, the 
and we were slacking messages about this, you know, I, I think last night, just like yeah. the, the professional, the the persona, the the media savviness. Like what is Chicago with this crazy media market? What are they yeah. getting in, in Jalen Johnson? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I think what they're getting in, in, in Jalen Johnson is just a guy that from day one has kind of dealt with it. He was always kind of a, a bull in a china cabinet, so to speak. He was always bigger than from where he grew up. Now, that's not to say he doesn't love Fresno, but like he was always bound for big, bigger and better things. So he was the kid that knew how to do interviews by the time he was a sophomore in high school. And, uh, you know, that just kind of continued. And, you know, he was a USC commit at one point. So he was getting all of the attention from the Southern California media. And then, and then once he got here, uh, from day one, he was a guy that started right away. And everybody knew that Jalen Johnson, this former four-star cornerback, was Utah's biggest get ever. And he always just handled it um, like he was supposed to, if that makes sense. Like he's not going to be, you know, this outlandish quote. He's always going to be super respectful, but he does not suffer fools. I will say that. I think I told you that last night, Adam. I said, like, he will, he's not one of those guys that's going to stand there and, <laughs> and, and, and wait around for one of those kind of canned, terrible questions. So uh, the Chicago media, you know, Bears press corps will enjoy talking to Jalen, but they will for sure come across a young guy that knows what he's doing. We, we oh, do man. enjoy a good back and forth, do we, do we not, Adam, <laughs> Adam Hogue, my, my podcast partner? It's not just us. Like they're, The Chicago media is a, a very uh, – there's a lot of us. There's I'll a lot of us. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's enough that there's still going to be some stupid questions in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, you so said in that. I, you know, I, I don't want to go there, but – <laughs> yes, they'll be. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to the interactions here, Chris. Yeah. Um, hey, Chris. You know one of the one of the plays that really stood out to me uh, when I was going back watching some of the tape. I'd kind of forgotten about it, but then I, once I saw it, I remembered I, that pick six he had against Jacob Beeson in, yep. in Seattle um, this season was was so big. I mean, they're losing that game. They didn't really have any momentum, and that game just completely flipped on that play. You know, with cornerbacks, we often talk about, um, you know, just being playmakers and, and, and having the ball skills, and it's, especially in this Bears defense, when this isn't a franchise that's known for having great offenses. So they, they tend to rely on big plays like that to swing games. Is that Was that just one play, or, or is that something that he kind of had a reputation for at Utah? Yeah, no, he. I think that play for sure stands out. And I think if you go back and watch that, if you know, for listeners – Jalen knew that route so well that it looked like it was like Eason kind of telegraphed it a little bit and he did, but Jalen read that route so well. It was like, he, he beat the wide out to that spot. And that's why it looked like he was just kind of waiting there in no man's land for a second, just to, just to snag it and run the other way. He has that capability. Um, you know, he did, he did the same thing at Stanford a year before it was a, a hundred yard pick six that kind of in the same vein, like helped t- turn the tides of a, of a, of a game, you know, at a, at a tough place to play. I mean, to do stuff like this at Stanford, at Washington, two of the toughest places to play in the PAC 12. Um, that just means that, you know, Jalen has what it, what it takes. Now I wouldn't necessarily, he's say, he's going to be the guy that's going to pick off, you know, 10 passes a year, seven to 10 passes a year. He's capable. I think last year, now that I think about it, guys, there were a lot of plays where Jalen could have got, you know, 
uh, he had some balls, you know, slip out of his hands. And I think that would be probably one thing that I would say that he has to just work on. And it's not that he's not capable. I think so often he, he probably has too much time to think about it because he's so good at his footwork and he's so good at reading coverages that sometimes maybe he has too much time to think about it before the ball gets to him. But he's definitely that guy that can, A, you know, shadow the other team's best whiteout and, and B, when necessary, make a game-changing play. I'm curious, Chris, you know, to, to kind of pair this with what you wrote today um, after interviewing Utah's defensive coordinator, Morgan Scali. They're like, he has this line in there, and I think it's, it's a fantastic quote. Jalen is a man on a mission when it comes to learning football. So all that film work, I mean, is, is the Easton interception, the Stanford interception, are those examples of that film work paying off where he's willing to take a gamble and go with it and it pays off? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And what's, again, I'm going to try to avoid cliches, but like everybody you talk to is saying that he is the first guy and the last guy out. He is the guy that isn't afraid to say like, Hey, if I'm not understanding what my DB coach or my defensive coordinator is asking of me, I think a lot of times players are maybe embarrassed to stand up and say like, Hey, explain that better or explain that differently. You know, every coach, every teammate that I've talked to said that Jalen was never afraid to be like, Hey guys, I know you're really smart and you're a lot smarter than I am, but I wasn't understanding what you're putting down. Do it differently. So I get it. So that's just something where like, here's a guy that knows he needs to understand something before they even go forward, before they even get out on the field. And I just think that goes so far in terms of being able to come to grips with what a defense asks of a cornerback, especially a young cornerback as a rookie who, you know, odds are if he's healthy, he's going to be thrust into the starting spotlight come this fall. Yeah, I think that's uh, more than likely going to be the the case. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for the insights. It's it's always great hearing from the the local beat writers when uh, these guys go pro. Uh, I apologize, I don't have this written down, but for our listeners, uh, what's your Twitter handle so they can find some of the stuff on the Athletic and read more about Jalen? Yeah, it's just my first and last name squished together. It's Chris, last name K A M R A N I, and. Yeah, there's uh, there's some old Jalen stuff on there. All you have to do is you know go to our athletic app and, and type in Jalen's name. And outside of all of the Bears guys, I should be in there somewhere. So anybody that wants to go back in time, feel free. Awesome. Thanks so much, Chris. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Chris. Thanks, guys. Yep. All right, there's Chris Kamrani, who covers the Utah Utes for the athletic. All right. John's, uh, you know, that kind of goes along with the conversation we were having earlier with these guys that the the Bears are drafting. I mean, especially uh, what you just said, the the willingness and really desire to learn football. I think as I had these phone conversations over the weekend, it was across the board, like every single one of these guys the Bears picked this year. That was a common theme you heard, um, and and I also I don't want I don't mean to make this like a big picture declaration but like when fans get frustrated that Ryan Pace isn't on the hot seat this is something that the franchise values this is something that they appreciate that that Ryan like what his draft philosophy is can I build upon that quote I I read as well to kind of further illustrate this point sure some guys this is sorry that this is the Utah defensive coordinator some guys just want to hang out with the guys and have fun and play video games. Jalen is a man on a mission when it comes to learning football. When you get to that level where now it's your profession, you've got to know how to study film, and he knows it. 
That, in my opinion, is going to be his biggest asset in terms of playing early. I guarantee you the Bears interviewed Morgan Scally, the, the Utah defensive coordinator, and I guarantee you they heard similar things. And I, I guarantee you that was music to their ears just in terms of another great fit for their defense. And in the secondary, where you got Kyle Fuller, who's breaking all sorts of records at Hallis Hall for watching film, and you got the most instinctive safety in the game in Eddie Jackson, who watches a ton of film as well, just seems to strike me. Other than, like, be concerned about the shoulders if you want. I don't like that whatsoever either. But this guy seems to just fit the, the Bears so well in, in so many ways, like from the intangibles to what they want overall. And to have a guy with that work ethic and that defense, he's going to fit right in with all those star players. Well, look, John, this was my 10th draft, okay? And it, the, as I learn more and more every single year, like anybody else going through this, it, that notion that these scouts are always digging for how much do they truly love football that i think that when i start to rank all the attributes that matter the most ends up being like towards the top right up there with the tape um and and the makeup but that's part of the makeup how much do they truly love football because i it's a grind in the nfl like it's great you don't have to study school anymore when you get to the pros but it's a grind, and it's a full-time job, more than a full-time job during the season. I mean, I think the great ones are putting in way more than eight hours a day in their craft. Um, and so it, it, that can't be lost. You have to love what you're doing like anybody else doing what they're doing for a living. Yeah, man, I, I totally agree with you. I used to roll my eyes at the quote, oh, and, and he loves football. Like I remember my first yeah. – this is like going back eight, nine years. Like, oh, he loves Well, football. of course he loves football. <laughs> of course he loves football. I love football too. But you, you learn now that like when these guys say it too, like some guys have a little bit more purpose behind it when they say it, right? Like you're willing to – like you almost develop a scout's eye and how to read guys when they answer certain questions about that. And yeah, sometimes players can, can trick scouts, players can trick media and all that stuff. I think we've seen it over over the history of covering sports that we always learn more uh, about players when, when they get in trouble and how they treat you when the cameras aren't on. But the Bears, in terms of doing their extra due diligence, especially when it comes to you know the second round this year, I think they hit home runs in the character aspect. We'll see how that pays off in the field because at the end of the day, Adam, we all know that's the most important thing. But you got guys that are willing to put in the work. And we know it. Like, there's some guys that try to get just to skate by on their athleticism, skate by on their draft stock. And you could tell after a year or two, like, how invested they are. Like, I don't want to name names, but you and I have been around. Like, you could feel it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. just in terms of talking to them, then you talk to people around the team. Like, it seems like, at least in Jalen Johnson's sense, like, he was born to do this and he, he he like he wants this so bad that came you know quite, quite clearly across to me you know talking to chris all right um i spent enough time talking about my things you have takeaways i had two uh, virgins i i just had too much in this head going on i had to get it out did you just say you have two virgins or yeah. virgins oh, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> let's keep this PG. Can we play that back? Maybe no, I'm just, you know, I didn't no, get a lot of sleep last no, night. So. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have another cup of coffee. Versions. Yeah. Oh, oh, two parts, okay. I, I should say. and Just looking for clarifications. You had more yeah. like, you was five takeaways, but it was more like eight. Yes. No, we, we, had, we had a couple uh, charts in there as well. Um, I, I think what, what 
couple thoughts on my thoughts. <laughs> don't get carried away with the Bears not drafting the quarterback. You know, I, I feel like some people are. I, I don't know how you feel. Um, I, I know I said we'd save this for the next podcast, but like, don't just take a guy you don't like. You know, like at least like the guy if you're going to draft him. Don't be like, oh, we need a quarterback. Everybody's going to be on my case if I don't take a quarterback. No, don't don't think that way. At least take a guy that you like. You have good grades on, and you you, you want. Absolutely. And by the way, it, you know, they did have their eye on some quarterbacks. I mean, you brought up James Morgan multiple times throughout the weekend as somebody the Bears were linked to. Um, you know, the, there was that report Saturday that uh, from Michael Galkin from the Dallas Morning News that they were eyeing uh, the James Madison kid uh, and the Cowboys went ahead and drafted him, which happens. What's I mean, Ben DiNucci? Does that sound right? Yeah, I mean, it, that, a lot of times seventh-round picks are used on guys that you want, but you don't think are going to sign with you in free agency. So you got to use the draft pick to secure him. That may have been the case there. Remember, John Filippo played quarterback at James Madison. So I'm guessing there was a connection there that the Bears were were feeling. So, um, you know, it, sometimes it just doesn't work out. I... I, I I'm not too caught up in the quarterback thing. As much as I said that they should take a swing. Me too. Absolutely. Me too. But that doesn't mean that they should just do it to do it. Yes. Yes, exactly. Take a swing on a guy that you like. I feel like if James Morgan did drop into the fifth round, they would use some capital to try to target him, but he went in the fourth to the Jets. Stinks, I know, but you know everyone's raising, you know, Jake Fromm was there. But you know what? If... There's a Bruce Feldman piece on The Athletic, and I suggest you check it out, where he kind of gives his analysis on things. And there are some scathing things. Uh, maybe scathing's too rough, but there are some criticisms of Jake Fromm in there. Um, love his intangibles. You can love all the stuff he's off the field. But in terms of like an on-the-field swing, like no, I think that's why a lot of teams passed on him and why he fell into the fifth round. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to sneak in there? No. I'm good. I got all my thoughts okay. out there. You got all your 10 things out there. Yeah, we'll and there's plenty, Thursday. trust me, there's, there's there's plenty more to read. So <laughs> um, it, I think mine came out to a ridiculous 3,700 words. Oh. Which, which is, I, yeah. I think mine were both 2,000 words each. And there you I go. think we've probably said a lot more in this podcast, my friend. I think what, on Thursday we'll be back. We'll have Pete Sampson, the Athletics Notre Dame writer, as a guest, and the Fishman. Kevin Fishbane will be making his post-draft appearance. But I do, you know, this is actually, I don't know why, but I always enjoy these few days after the draft, digging on these players, figuring out why they're fit. That's why I like writing that piece so much every year. I know you, you know, you put a ton of work into your takeaways too. So there's a lot of good stuff up there um, that you really should check out. I know we talk about that every single week, but really, truly check it out. Um, John Z stuff is on The Athletic. If you're listening in the app, you can get it right here in the app. Uh, otherwise, go to theathletic.com. You should definitely be subscribing. My stuff is up at NBCSportsChicago.com. You can find it on my Twitter feed, too. I think it's pinned there at the top. So go check it out. We got to get out of here, though. Adam Johns, we will be back, as you said, on Thursday, The Fish Man. Joining He's us. He's back, everybody. He's back. <laughs> and we'll get more. <laughs> Maybe he'll stop so, texting us now. I know. What is he going to make us plug this time? <laughs> yeah, right? What should we plug for Kevin? Uh, oh, he, yeah. I will say this. He has a nice breakdown of the Bears' depth chart uh, available oh, yeah. on The Athletic right now. Um, position by position. I think that's about 3,000 words as well. So please check it out. Uh, so he stops texting us about it. 
<laughs> there are words to read. That's the takeaway here. Yes. Words yes. to read. Think about us. Think about us. <laughs> and our data overages. For real, though. Uh, good work over the weekend, Johns. The draft is a crazy weekend. Not a lot of sleep. You did a nice job. You too, my friend. You too. You, Ke- you Kevin, know, did a, Kevin did an okay job. Yes, yes, yes. That's so-so. I give his draft grade a uh, C+. Plus. <laughs> All right. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S, the fish man at Fishbane. We'll see him on Thursday, and we will talk to you then. See ya. That's why we have Adam on the sidelines. He knows everything that's going on. He nailed that one.